Good morning. Welcome as we come to worship today. Um, the calendar says autumn has arrived, but the looking out the window says summer's actually here for the first time nearly, uh, hasn't it? So uh, welcome on this uh, lovely um, Sunday morning. Whether you're joining us in person um, or online, we bid you a warm welcome. If this is your first time to join us, we hope that you feel at home here um, and are blessed by your presence with us. Um, let's just pray as we begin. The collect for this Sunday. Almighty God, you called your church to bear witness that you were in Christ, reconciled the world to yourself. Help us to proclaim the good news of your love, that all who hear it may be drawn to you. Through him who was lifted up on the cross and reigns with you, and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Our scripture later on today is from Psalm 139, and the first verse of that says, O Lord, you've searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down, and you're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. The God that we worship is the sovereign Lord, the one who knows everything and who encourages us and draws us to be a part of his family today. Today's reading comes from Psalm 139, verses 1 to 16. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're always familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for the darkness is as light to you. For you creating my inmost being, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full way. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Thank you very much. I'll take a wee breath now. Um, that was great. Thank you. We started a new series last week um, called Principles to Live By. Um, the sense that as Christians, as a community of believers, um, there are certain things that we are called to live by. Um, Billy Graham, uh, one of the greatest evangelists of our generation, had a phrase where he said, the Bible says, the Bible says. And, and it's in the Bible that we find the principles that we need to live by. And so over these number of weeks, we're going to look at some of these. Last week, we were thinking about um, knowing who we were. Um, that series in that sense of knowing that we are not our own, but that we are God's, bought at an extravagant price, uh, but yet free for us. 
So we're going to look at other things like um, looking after ourselves, which is today, operating our gifting, how we use our processions, being accountable. And so that sense of knowing who we are is the foundational thing because often our culture around us tells us that we are the sum of the inside of ourselves. Whatever we feel or think, that is who we are. But yet the Bible says we are more than that. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. The Bible says that we were bought at a price, that we are not our own, that he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. Our culture tells us that if we bow the knee, it's seen as a weakness, yet the Bible says surrender to God is the missing piece in the jigsaw of our lives. And today we're going to look at this theory of looking after our time and our bodies. So before we do that, Let's just pause for a moment and pray. Father God, we thank you that you are present with us, that your presence in this place is powerful and can affect change within each one of us. So in this space, at this time, may we lay our hearts, our minds, our souls, and our very lives bare before you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Um, if there was a psalm, um, and I'm sure if I asked this question, um, if you've been about church for any length of time, even as a child and gone away for a period of time and come back, uh, or whether you've been about church all of your life, uh, or maybe you don't have a lot of connection with church, uh, often we have a favorite psalm. Um, often there's a sense of, uh, what is that favorite piece of scripture? Uh, Esther was asked that uh, earlier, what is your favorite Bible story? Uh, often people drift to the Psalms at, at that point whenever we ask them what their favorite Psalm or Bible verse is because in the Psalms we see the range of emotion of what it means to be human. Uh, we see it all laid bare and we see that nothing that we throw at God can topple him uh, or knock him down because he is bigger than all of that. But I love Psalm 139, especially some of those verses that Hannah read for us today. That verse where it says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you believe that? Because I know from personal experience, sometimes I think, no chance. I'm not fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm broken. I'm despairing. I'm lacking hope. But yet sometimes I almost need to look in the mirror and recite that verse of Scripture saying the Bible says that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That God looks at me differently. As we'll see a little bit later on, God looks not at the outward appearance, but He looks at the heart. How we steward our time and our bodies is really important. And how we steward our time um, is part of this generation's biggest question. What we do with our time, how we expend our time, how we waste our time. We always imagine, if only I had more time, I could do, you fill in the blank. If only you had more time, what is it that you could do? 
I could finish. I could start. I could leave a legacy. The Bible says it starts now. Now is the time. Now is the day. Whenever we can start that. People tell me um, that whenever they retire, they realize that they don't know how they had time to work. Now, for someone who hasn't yet retired, you'll be glad to hear, um, who hasn't yet retired, I think about that statement and I think, well, surely you've got all the time in the world to do what exactly is it that you want to do. We lived opposite a man called Frank at one stage. Frank was very busy in his career as a civil servant. Um, and whenever he retired, um, he used to um, take a lot of time doing a lot of things. And he was clearing out his garage one day. And he was still clearing out his garage the next day and the third day and the fourth day. And after the fourth day, as I was walking past him with the dog, I said, well, Frank, how's the garage clearing out going? And he looked at me and he said, James, if I was working, I'd have had this done on a Saturday afternoon. But now that I'm retired, I've got all the time in the world to do it. And so I'll just go in for a wee cup of tea or I'll just watch that program or I'll just go and do that wee message and four days later I'm still clearing out the blank garage. I said, did you want a hand? Because I'm still working and I could do it in a Saturday afternoon. He says, go on away out of here and chase me on up the road. But only if we had more time. Do you know the generation before us and our generation are the first ones since the dawn of time that have went against light. Just let that settle for a wee minute. Or the generation before us and this generation are kind of the first generation that has gone against the naturalness of darkness and light, day and night. Now John Mark Comer in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, explains this a lot better than I could ever. But the concept's this. The generation before us and our generation now have artificial light. Before, people used to work during the light, go in whenever it was dark, and go to sleep, and rest until it got light again the next morning. And the cycle continued. Now we get up, when it's light, and we go about our business, and when it's dark, we turn on the big light. Not the wee light, we turn on the big light in the house and we sit through the darkness and therefore we don't have the same amount of rest as the generations that have gone before us. And then we feel tired and exhausted and out of sorts. The generations, many before us, would have taken the summer months to do the vast majority of the work that they had to do and rested during the winter months. We seem to have flipped that, don't we? We all go on holidays during the summer months whenever it's all light and we try to do everything during the winter months whenever it's dark. And so in a sense what John Mark Comer is trying to say really is and the sociologists and psychologists around all of this is saying that it's kind of flipped a bit. And we've gone against what God has intended in that rhythm of rest and work. And so we while away our time, sometimes doing very little. We'll buy the next product 
or gadgets that will save us time. All right? The automatic washing machine. That saves you going to the river with a washboard or getting the twin tub out uh, from behind the cover. And I remember the day that my mum got an automatic washing machine and said, I'm going to have so much time now that I don't have to stand beside a twin tub for four hours doing the washing. Very quickly, that time was filled and disappeared. So the question from today is this, what do we fill our time with? Because actually, we each have the same amount of time, but it's how we use it that's important. And God knows how we use it. Uh, So we read as we started the service, in Psalm 139, verses 1 to 4, You've searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar, the psalmist said. In other words, God knows our every waking and sleeping moment. So what are we doing with those moments? And this isn't a preacher trying to make you feel guilty that you're not serving God enough. This is simply this series, this part of the Word of God saying to us today, how are we stewarding our time? What are we doing with our time that is benefiting us and indeed the Lord, who is the maker of heaven and of earth? God knows everything. He is sovereign and He is in control, yet we try to be little mini deities, little mini gods of our own existence. We will rule our own lives. But remember from last week, we are not our own. We are bought at a price. And so how we use our time will directly or indirectly affect our witness for Jesus. Good governance of our time, good stewards, being stewards will allow us to honor God. Resting time with our family, with our friends, creating moments where we restore our very souls. One writer says that actually the Sabbath, the concept of Sabbath in the Scriptures was a sense that one day a week we pause to allow our soul to catch up with us. Not necessarily just physical rest, but we pause to allow our souls to catch up with us. Because we've been so busy that we've kind of walked ahead of ourselves. And God knows that we need to pause to allow ourselves to catch up. Our time will dictate how we are socially, emotionally, spiritually, and mentally fit. I'm going to share something today. I don't think I've shared this before. I'm unique just like the rest of you, see the irony in that, but I'm unique, because even if I'm tired and hungry, I don't get grumpy, <laughs> just ask, somebody says, what does, somebody, I, just, I was just about to say, Heather, ask my family, <laughs> but it came, ask, what does Shirley say, isn't that right, Shirley, I'll take that as a silence, as a no then, um, It's how we use our time, how we rest with those that we know and that we love the best is the moments where we know ourselves the best. 
My family know that I do get tired and grumpy. They can also see that coming. And sometimes they tell me I have to stop because that tiredness and that grumpiness is about to begin. God knows us intimately. He knows when those very emotions are going to come up. The Bible tells us to steward our time wisely and to ensure that we know God and that he knows us. Those verses I really love from this psalm, verse 13 onwards, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you, and you were made in the secret place when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Yet am I looking after my body? At the minute, probably not as well as I possibly could. And so maybe, well maybe, I know I need to do something about that. Because whenever I'm fitter and healthier, I'm more mentally able as well. Now I'm more mentally able, I'm able to rest and take time with God and to grow in grace and favor with Him. Our hearts should look for God. That's what He tells us way back in um, 2 Chronicles chapter 16. That God's eyes scan the whole of the earth and look for a heart that chases after His. What I do with my body affects everybody else. That's what 1 Corinthians 12, as we'll look at next week, tells us. That we are one body as God's family. Some are hands, some are feet, some are eyes, some are ears, some are hearts, some are legs. But we all work together to form one body to give honor and glory to God. So what I do affects this body in this place. What you do affects this body in this place. And another wonderfully beautiful verse from the Scriptures in Isaiah 26, verse 3, tells us that his mind is stayed on thee. His mind is stayed on thee. It's Isaiah 26, and verse 3. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Isn't that beautiful? You keep him in perfect peace because his mind is steadfast. It's not a word we use a lot, sure it's not. wouldn't imagine um, you say that if somebody joins the queue in front of you in the co-op, down the bell says, excuse me, I'm steadfast in my place in this queue. But we know what it means, don't we? We know what it means that our feet are firm, that we have a purpose, we know what that purpose is, and that our purpose is for our minds to stay on the Lord. And whenever it stays on the Lord, He gives us perfect peace. Not that there won't be times of turmoil or trouble. Of course there will. The Scripture tells us that's the case. But God will give us the peace that we need.
So being a good steward of our time and our bodies enables us to be better followers of Jesus, better disciples for him. So what do you need to do this week? Because it's wonderful to come together, to join in this place, to sing, to pray, to confess, to have fellowship together. But what we do here builds us up for going out into the everydayness of our normal lives. And God is worried. God is concerned about the everydayness of our lives just as much as he is about this moment in this place. So what do you need to put in place this week to break old habits around time and caring for yourself? What do you need to put in place this week to create new habits around your time and caring for yourself? The preacher included as those questions are asked. Because the Bible says, now is the time. Now is the day. One more step towards God is what is required. We can't pause. We can't choke out like we heard earlier. We need to keep our hand on the gear stick, our foot in the clutch, and ensure that it's not in reverse and we're not going backwards. can't stick into the same gear and stay there for the rest of our lives. I had an elderly uncle who was uh, unable to drive towards the end of his life. And as I visited him one day, he asked me would I take his car for a wee run. And they live up in the promised land, Palomina. You should know that by now. Um, and there's a big long straight road between Palomina and Larne. Um, and so I took the car up um, onto that road and as I changed through the gears and he was sitting beside me, uh, looking around at the countryside that he hadn't seen for a few weeks, he said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm driving. He said, well, what are you doing? And he was getting really panicky. And it was at that point that I realized that I was about to move out of fourth into fifth. And he said, this car's never been in fifth. It's only ever got as far as fourth. And boy, could you hear that whenever he was driving it. But there's an analogy in there for us today. That sometimes we get stuck in a gear with God and we don't move to the next one to enable the freedom and the power that comes with that transition. So what needs put in place this week? to enable those old or new habits to be broken or to be put in place. Because the Bible says that we cast our eyes, we fix our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith, who is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray. Father God, as we come before your word, sharp, living, double-edged sword as it penetrates into our hearts, our souls, our very bodies today. We pray that by your Spirit drawing alongside us, you will give us strength and courage that we need 
to make the changes and the transitions that enable us to keep going with you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Well, as we close today, uh, we hear a verse of scripture from Romans chapter 15, um, and it says this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, rest upon each one of us this day and forevermore.